What is up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? My name is Jade, and welcome back to another episode of the. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, I'm echoing. Ammo. Sorry. Welcome back to another episode of the Wednesday podcast. As you can see, we're still learning how to podcast. My name is Jade, as I said, and I'm joined by my good friend and collaborator, Simon Anderson. Simon, how are you? Good afternoon, Jade. Yeah, I guess a few weeks off and you forget which buttons to press. <laughs> eh? it's, a it's, bit... the other, it's the other one. you got to press the other one. It, my setup is slightly different to the other one, so you'll have to forgive me. Yep, finding my way around is very difficult. Also, in the studio, if we can call it that, uh, this afternoon, is my good friend and lovely assistant and slash project manager now, Hannah. She's got a whole new title and everything going on. Hannah, how are you? Fabulous, thanks. Um, it's so good to be back today. I'm just wondering how you're doing today. Me, actually, I'm I'm doing really, really well. Um, as Simon said, we've been gone for a couple of weeks, so it's good to be in the flow of the podcast. I'm looking forward uh, to some of the topics we've got on top. For anyone that's watching this now or later on who has no idea what this is, uh, Simon and I often have really in-depth and really intense conversations about the meaning of life and other subjects. So we thought, rather than just keep those conversations to ourselves, why not record them? Did I get that right, Simon? <laughs> That's right. We um, we had these grand delusions together. Uh, you know, <laughs> convincing ourselves that we were modern-day prophets of the gospel that would save humanity, and we thought, uh, we can't keep it to ourselves. So this is a live podcast, so if you're in the chat and you feel like you have an opinion on what we're saying or you feel like you have something to add, please feel free to get in the chat and conversate with us. We are live on twitch.tv and at dlive.tv as well, so we welcome everybody uh, from those places. But without further ado, as we typically do, on a Wednesday podcast, I have a question of the day. Hannah, are you ready? You don't actually know what this is because I thought about when we were in the car on the way in. So Hannah doesn't know. Simon doesn't know. Let's get it on the screen now. And the question of the day is, and this is for everybody here and at home, can your true love be someone not in your life? Can your true love be someone not in your life? Who wants to have a go first? I will. I'll step up. Okay. Uh, okay. So, if someone is not in your life, like ever... Oh, so for a bit of context, I guess my framing of the question was, perhaps you've met them, you, you've had a time with them and now they're gone and there's like zero possibility you'll ever reconnect or do anything like that so can your true love be someone not in your life bro okay yeah all right that makes Maybe a lot more sense i was thinking 
if you've never met somebody, you don't, I mean, they could still, I guess, be what your true love, but you, yeah, they could never be in your life. But the way you then gave context of yeah. somebody you've met, fallen in love with somehow, had a moment, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> burnt the bridge beyond rebuilding, <laughs> yeah, scorched the earth, yeah, um, yeah, yes, that is possible. Um, and you know how we do here, Simon, you have to be able to say why, though. Because you can live a life without uh, needing that true love. It might actually be a, an interesting segue into the topic that I wanted to talk about. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you can still have a life without uh, um, your true love. I don't know how much I prescribe to that concept as well. Of, of one person like being assigned to you as best fit via fate you, you know what i mean like i don't think uh, I don't... So, so where i am with it is so for it to be validated as true love you have to be the person to feel it so, mm -hmm. so i'm just wondering if it's possible to feel like you did meet your true love but something really bad happened, and now they're gone forever. I don't know. The way I understand love, I would <laughs> never, I would never circle off what you consider true love for one person. I think it's like always very circumstantial, um, and you have love for like almost everybody in your life. You wouldn't have them in your life featuring if you don't have love for them. It's just different types of love. There's some love that you just prefer to see this person naked a lot more than there are some other person you love. Like, so I think you can direct that emotion you have inside you. Like you have this capacity for love inside you and you just direct it at the person you deem worthy and I think you can have that true love directed at somebody else. I, I think no one person is like your true love for your whole life. That's amazing. Hannah, you got anything to add on this? And remember, we're not trying to get into each other's personal, like, shite. Well, we're just trying to say, as a concept, what do you think? Can your true love not be in your life? Yes. Well, <laughs> I feel like Simon said yes, and then, then basically by answering it, he said it's basically something like he, well, his understanding and his belief of love. To me, that meaning is no. So, um, I believe. Fair. I believe that there is, um, you love a lot of people and you love people in different ways that are in your life. So I believe if maybe what you feel is your true love, um, what the person that you could spend the rest of your life with, maybe things don't work out. You can't just hold it to that one person. You gotta not have that validation for one person but love yourself and 
maybe there might be somebody else that comes along that you then want to love and then they will also be your true love so yeah mm, so I heard you say you're pretty undecided actually that's what I heard is that correct no I just feel like it's more of a no no that person doesn't have to be in your life for so, them to be your true love so does love have to equal presence then like do that do that does a person have to have presence to receive your love? I suppose we'll take the heat off you and just say for me. Okay, I'll just that's yeah. that one thing then. A person doesn't need to be in your life for them, for you to love them. Definitely not. But I think it's about the true where I'm thinking okay. a bit mm. different. I'm yeah. thinking true love, I'm thinking <laughs> true loving forever the one person in your life forever but yes of course you can love love someone but not see them for for years for no i'm talking about forever i'm not just talking like someone you can plan to see i'm like they're done with you they told you they're done with you they're out don't even call them or they're calling the cops not not you, like in a, think... not like in a not like in a like stalkish way just like They've decided they don't want to deal with you anymore. Well, I still think that you can still have love for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just unhealthy if you assign that person your true love. You can love yeah. that person be like, oh, man, they were you so fantastic. You can still fantastic. love them. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got love for them. But if you start to say they're my true love, like if I just devote my life to them, they will come back to me. That's unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. So, so, and all of those romantic movies that like fantasize about that and that obsession will reward you you know have ruined people's idea of what romantic like romance is like is supposed to be about yeah now to be fair i don't endorse obsession and like if anybody in the chat has ever been through that you know i recommend seeing someone but i i would certainly say Oh, what do I want to say? I'm pretty old school, so I sort of believe, like, true love is a thing. And, like, you hear about people settling all the time. Like, like they get, like they get through life, they turn, like, 60, 70, and they're like, yeah, I love my husband, I settled for my husband, but it wasn't really him. So it's not so much what I believe, it's sort of what, I've heard throughout my life the idea of people settling and I and I'm not trying to project anything Freudian and raising this question today more that I've sort of I've sort of told myself that like I should not settle but back to the premise of my question though I, I do worry at times whether, like, like, I don't have a sense of who my true love might have been that I've already met and stuff like that, but I do worry about whether I'm gonna be, like, 80 years old in a rocking chair and then suddenly realise who it was. I, <laughs> I, have a, I have a real big fear about that, that I'm gonna be 80 years old, 
I I know that I'm gonna design my life in a way where I'll be really happy and like I've got no issues about that. But I I do worry that I'm gonna be 80 in a rocking chair, sitting sitting on sitting on my deck at home or in my very expensive um very expensive care facility um and thinking and then go ah geez now i know now i know who it was so so this question if we're fair was a little bit driven by fear for me that's interesting Inter interesting insight jade i want to go back to <laughs> what you said about like picking up on people in your life or in just general settling yeah. Yeah. and there's i definitely believe there is a person out there who is the best fit for your personality and your life trajectory <clears throat> that does not mean that that person will make your life easy or their your relationship with them will be completely flawless like i think i think what happens is people meet someone really fantastic they may seem like the one and then don't do the work like they just don't put in enough effort to maintain a relationship and you should never do so much work to maintain a relationship that they're that if you take that away there's nothing there but if you just are with somebody and don't invest in that at all then you're doomed to end up bitter and resenting this person who you don't even really recognize or whatever so i think there is an element like a tiny element of people settling but i also think they're saying that because they found somebody and then never continued to invest in that in the health of their relationship you're a man after my own heart simon and, and going back to what you said about you know it, it probably isn't always going to be easy with your true love i i cannot agree with that more in terms of i i have discovered over my life that i'm allergic to people pleasers <laughs> like like most guys want a girl that would say yes to everything i mean it sounds like a recipe for success but if i'm trying to get to know someone and all they want to do is agree with me and all they want to do is do the plans that i'm coming up with and they don't really they don't really challenge me or like, like i expect friction in a relationship to a healthy extent to be challenged in my ideas to be challenged in my comfort zone to be to be you, you know i want I want someone in my life to broaden my idea of what life is. I don't want them saying, "Oh, I want you to be my whole my whole thing," because if I'm their whole thing and my whole thing, then I'm I'm spending a lot of time being a whole thing. Do you get it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, coming yeah. coming over to Clive over on Twitch. Clive says, can you be sure I'm not your true love, Jade? Clive, I can't be sure of that, actually. <laughs> I can't be sure of that. There's only one way to find out. And I think... Are you willing? 
<laughs> I think one thing you actually said though, Jade, is that, you know, there's people who come out of, you know, 30, 40 year um, marriages and then they realise, well, I just settled for that person. Well, I don't think that they've actually truly gotten over that their original love and actually seeing that um, there isn't a way forward with the other person and look at who they have now and not at what the other person did for them and how they made them feel but actually the person that they're with like it almost feels to me like they don't let go of the other person so it impedes and impacts on the way that they then feel about their long-term husband yeah or long-term wife yeah and I've read, I've read lots of things about how people always compare their future to like their their first or a couple of first relationships i i think to a certain extent depending how old you are there's some truth to that but as you get into your late 20s and 30s i don't necessarily believe that's how people conduct themselves i i certainly don't seek out the the same person i was seeking out when i was like 17 for example would you agree, Simon? <laughs> Be I was a... just trying to run like a mental, uh, mental inventory check on the woman. <laughs> find it interesting and in where the patterns, uh, and yeah, it's not good news. <laughs> oh no! Okay. <laughs> All right. So maybe for some people it is like that, but you know, each to their own. No judging. Mm. And with that, Simon, I'd really like to lead in with your topic for the day, if that's all right, because as you said, perfect segue. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what you uh, both are bringing to the table is some some topics or some facts, but I guess <laughs> mine's more just like a um, a topic of discussion, and I just wanted to, to, to hear your both of your perspectives on the topic. But basically, okay. it's come from a personal, we were talking about this, you know, off air has come from a personal development um, angle um, for myself in that uh, I've realized if I wanted to be successful and if I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to be able to be on my deathbed and pass over like easily and I realized that one of the biggest things that will be that will hold me back from achieving that is um, the need for external validation. It's like hardwired into us from when we are a kid. You know, you do any task and your parents go, great job, Timmy, you're the best. Mm. And you go, you know, your, your, your brain fills with dopamine and, and, and you just think, oh yeah, this is the greatest feeling. Somebody likes me. And then you just go about your life trying to reenact that feeling. Um, you know, you get your friends, um, feed into it, you, you know, out your love life feeds into it, your work, school, pretty much every aspect of your life, there is uh, an, uh, an opportunity to receive external validation for things that people deem um, good. And so 
you know this has been a bit of a personal journey to try and remove that from my life and um can we can we start from a place of okay how bad do you think it was for yourself well i've talked about it on previous podcasts about identifying as a people pleaser like okay and and i've had this internal monologue a lot is like am i just a people pleaser chasing some dragon like or am is it just part of who i am where i genuinely genuinely care for other people and a, and act um to benefit others and it's really tough because it's not clear it's really not clear because that feeling comes regardless of what the motivation behind it like if you just if you're trying to do something good because you know you'll feel good or if you're just trying to do something good because you know it's the right thing to do and it's something that you enjoy doing it's it's very hard to pick up the difference and it's taken me a while to feel confident because you know you, you get to the point of realizing oh shit am i just doing this to to just receive the validation and then you've got to work through and say well no like i had to make sure in my head i was certain that what the things that i would do that could be considered people pleasing sometimes it was but a lot of the time it is just part of my nature to want to do those things so that was like a a really hard battle i guess for me and i'm yeah just now i'm getting to the point where it's like work i guess is a big part of now being a professional it's like your work is a big part of your life it allows you to enjoy certain luxuries and participate in different things in society and so you you hold some value to your job um but then there's also your co-workers and stuff like that it's just trying to um limit as much external influence on your internal emotion as much as possible like say i deliver a project at work i'm really chuffed about uh, a successful part of my job you know the ceo says great stuff someone that was really awesome and then you know i walk around with this really high um you know feeling for the rest of the day it's it's just managing that part of it it's 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 being able to acknowledge that other people find value in what you do but it's not what you're reliant on and it's not the driving factor behind what you're trying to achieve and i'm not there yet like i'm sure it'll be a continuing act or you know something that i have to try and work work on but yeah it's just something that i've placed an importance on and i guess it was just something i wanted to talk about with you guys is what your experience with it is and and, and anything you've done or you know it's like the kind of conversations i've had with myself in the past about you know you you said jade you f- you feel pretty zen in this regard so just, <laughs> yeah pretty cool, a pretty cool topic to talk with you about yeah so I'll, I'll probably start off by going to your example around work so i i'm actually i'm actually very cynical about work so i i realized from an early age i think i was like 14 that I never, ever, ever wanted to make somebody else rich. Like, like, I would do what I needed to do for me, but my end goal was not to be successful in somebody else's company. It was to get the resources I needed from somebody else to make me successful. And we were talking offline, and I don't mind sharing, I hope you're okay with it, Simon. 
Like, like we were talking about the fact we were discussing that I'm potentially, I'm potentially not that compatible with uh, working life because because I've got my own opinions, and not not that I have trouble with authority, but I have pretty strong value positions on things, and so, sometimes they can be incompatible with business. And I accept that, and I accept that, and my most recent Zen moment was realizing that, 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 like, way back when I was 14, and I made the, I made the realization that I didn't want to make somebody else rich, that I just wanted to be rich and help other people, yeah, that made me really incompatible with work, but because a lot of people are encouraged to do well and a company and they can even be compensated relatively well like, like I don't mind saying in all the places that I've worked I, I was always compensated above market like I have nothing to complain about as far as my conditions and work but I just simply did not want to make somebody else rich so that's the first part in terms of social validation or getting cheers from people uh i i think one of the paradoxical things about being disabled is that that is all flipped on its head like people's expectations of you lower to detrimental levels so if you get up out of bed in the morning people clap for you i, I mean it's not that like for me it's certainly not at that level i'm just giving an example that that society as a whole doesn't really expect people with disabilities to do all that much uh well, I, go Jay, ahead i was just gonna say that's not a, a disability um only thing that happens now like I, you see it um i guess i've seen it more on social media now due to the pandemic but you see, i see posts pop up and it's like if you got out of bed if you showered today if you had a breakfast <laughs> you go you like this year or whatever has made people's mental state so fragile or has broken some people so badly that just basic human functioning is the bar to celebrate mm. I, mean, I don't know if i'm being insensitive i really don't know like if uh, uh, but it's just some people who I follow with my social media space have highlighted that, you know, we live in a very sheltered, safe, luxurious world, mostly, compared to um, our ancestors. And, um. Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah, and like the absence of problem has created problems for us, and that, you know, we've got to the point where just getting up just surviving a day is worth celebrating um i kind of wanted to just bring up something that also i found on on, on social media uh it's like a quote from this i, I think in like an ancient samurai his name was miyamoto musashi wow and, um, okay <laughs> yep yeah and the quote is inside i am infinite and basically what that means is that it's if you remove everything from your life um okay i'll do do what's personal to me so my job 
my family, surfing, going to the gym, my friends, music. Like if you removed everything that from your life and you stripped it down to just you, like how are you then? Like it's, you've got to try and put yourself in that perspective and say, can you manage there? And, and that's what that's saying inside I am infinite is that inside here, inside me, I am everything. I require nothing. So it's like a, a state of being, I guess. I think that was pretty cool. No, I get that. And I and mm. I think in terms of the external validation that you speak of, I think people look for compass points. Like, because we are so infinite, people look for compass points. So uh, if I have big titties, that that means I'll be like Dorif. Or if I'm, I'm real buff, if I, if I go to the gym and I'm like hard as as a man that that means like I'm a man because I don't know what a man is because so I gotta I got have somebody tell me I, I think that's part of the thing and I suppose again for me being being a person of difference it's sort of like, like the unintended benefit of being somebody so I, I don't consider myself so so different but just for the sake of conversation <laughs> the, the benefit of being so different to everybody else is that like I I felt like I had to design my purpose my being from ground up so, so that whole thing about being infinite I probably haven't heard it that way it's definitely struck a chord with me but I've had to design everything that I believe about myself and everything that I portray. Yeah. Mm. I'd and say that's lucky, well, not lucky, but it's helpful for you that you didn't either um, align with or find the standard compass points ideal or you know worthy of your time so what you know the normal aspirations just you didn't ever consider being part of your life so yeah you just got to, to, to you got straight to the point of thinking about what is important for you instead of you know this massive hurdle that most people go through of trying to align their life to make other people think they're great and, uh yeah yeah i think one of the things about that is i had no choice so mm. it's not like i was ever going to be captain of the first 15. it's not like i was ever going to be like that guy at all the parties because most people's houses had stairs so so you, you it was kind of like natural selection in reverse like like i i had the opportunity to avoid things that would lead uh, people down bad paths and then I had the unfortunate job of carving out my own path because because I felt like that from, based on the societal messages I was receiving people were just like oh if you stay home it'll be like all oh, good just stay home every day and do nothing and nobody will actually expect anything from you and that was confronting and you're right Simon maybe there was something inside of me that said oh nah I, I can't really go down like that <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be something a bit more for me and and um I'm fortunate to be able to say like I've 
I've navigated a lot of adversity uh, this year. You know, being a disabled person in COVID was pretty scary. It, and I had a lot of uh, circumstantial changes as well. But, like, uh, you know, I've learned to let go of all expectation. Because expectation all, always leads to disappointment. So what's ever in front of me, I just deal with it and try try to do it with positive energy and just move forward. Mm. Yeah, I, I like the removal of expectation. Um, <laughs> the, the, book, the book that the book that I, you know, I've talked about a couple of times and read it, uh, I've read and changed my life. They talk about expectations and hope as, uh, um, as being misaligned with reality. It's, it's assessing what is and ex- and either expecting or hoping or wishing for something different um which just will always cause problems i don't endorse hope but i do endorse imagination go ahead i guess um when i think of hope and how that's affected in my life um is that you can say it's the opposite like i went through a phase where um, you know, I was 18, finished school, and then then I was in and out of hospital, um, not very aware, and then I kind of, all my friends went off and that I was kind of at school with, or around that time, they either went on an OE or went off and did whatever, and I was in hospital. And then for me, it was kind of like, I didn't know what or where I was going. And I was kind of hoping, well, I don't want to be in hospital for the rest of my life. And then I realized that a couple of years later that I'd actually become quite a people pleaser and accepting of, of things. And I didn't really know how to own myself now being a blind woman. So um, that was a bit difficult, but then now I've realised I've stripped away all those people and I don't need those people. A lot of them are toxic. A lot of them weren't actually there to support me and I recognise that it's about me. Me only and not about anybody else, but, um, you know... It's about how does it make me feel achieving something before I even present it to somebody. That's an interesting point, Simon. I did want to ask, based on what Hannah just said, with this newfound realization or Zen finding for yourself, have you have you dropped off some people you associate with, or is it not to that extent yet? I don't know if it's like a hundred percent attributed just to that fact it Mm. it is happening like in my circle of uh association is like shrinking then and sliding you know i I like that yeah it does slide like it doesn't it doesn't stay at its central point because your your central point your beliefs shift as well and, and I believe if your beliefs aren't shifting, because 
I used to be a raving liberal once before, <laughs> would you believe? And, and and now we all know I'm libertarian and stuff like that. But no, it does it does move. It does move. So I'm I'm really glad, Simon. But you you have noticed the shrink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, it's just life is is quite busy, and I just take more time for myself. Hmm. I like that. And, and Hannah, to your point about, um, you know, having to carve people away, I suppose. I've always lived my life, um, like, I have friends, not gonna lie, like, I got friends from, from uni and stuff like that, but my core is really small. And I, and I'm glad, you know, Simon's part of that core as well. And, and that comes down to, I, I connect with people that, I can sense are willing to collaborate. Like it's not all just me. Like yeah, like you get you get a sense of people where it's like you just doing for them and there's no like return benefit. Whereas my circle is all about we can do lots of things for each other and we have a good time thinking about how we can support one another and things like that. That's what we and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. How I recognised within myself what I really needed to do and actually there was some really toxic people and what the only thing that they wanted from me in my life and there was no collaboration it was just like well you can pay for this okay and you, it was like nothing about my personality nothing about um what I can give and that kind of aligns with my topic for the day actually yeah <laughs> and um Dudes will say anything to get a nut. Trust me, I I used to be one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so good topic, Simon. And um, I can I just say re really um really stoked for for the journey you're on, and I I hope you'll give us updates. And whatever we can do for you, please let us know. Cheers, appreciate it. Yeah, you'll see me well. start levitating from my chair and there'll be a big glow around me as I reach full enlightenment. Nah, and I suppose before we do move on, like shrinking of circle is one thing. But have you have you started to feel I, I don't know if I'm leading the question or anything, but I, I I mean it genuinely, like have you sort of felt like incompatible in a lot of spaces where you used to be or I've felt that for like just really my, my whole life. I don't know, yeah, like just every place in school, like and then at university, and then even in, in work. It's like it's a it's a Terence McKenna quote, and it's I don't know if I've said it before on this live stream or not. It's well, I think it was just privately. It's the price of sanity in an, in a crazy world is a certain degree of alienation. And like I wow! <laughs> Say that again, so we can clip that. Yeah. So it's the price of sanity in this crazy world is a certain degree of alienation. Oh, and it, wow. I take that as I just I I've struggled to see myself in any one else completely. Like mm. I can see, I can identify and relate with aspects of people, but. I've never really found anyone be like, yep, that guy or that person is like 
just like me or they they see the world you know really similar they yeah they, you know they things just effortlessly understand it by them and vice versa yeah i just i just haven't experienced that and there's you know something else that goes with that and it's if you don't feel like you belong in the world you're in perhaps you're built for the world you're building <laughs> who said that who I'm said sure. that I'm, I'm not sure where i've heard that from but i've heard it a couple times but yeah i, I like that yeah. as well that is so deep simon you need to find us a reference for that mm. Mm. i'm not sure how we're gonna follow this guy tonight actually because <laughs> we just got really really small well i don't know if my topic's small and i don't know if your topic is small either but while simon's googling we might just lean into the next one and i was gonna let you go first so yeah. you're gonna talk to us about yeah. the about the concept of choosing beggars so the really interesting thing um we've actually just started watching the youtube <laughs> where this channel is solely about choosing beggars and ah. the interesting thing the oh, next so, interesting Simon thing. put his hand up sorry oh just so that i found who has said it please um, please let us know ross kelly gooey goo kelly oh then the no, do you, do you just want to link it in chat or e, e, I, oh i'd have to open twitch <laughs> my computer and everything yeah i can do but the actual quote is if you feel like you don't fit into the world you inherited, it is because you were born to help create a new one. My... Dream, dreaming, in, dreaming in the Shadows. Ross Kelly Giuri. Some Italian name. My goodness me. Sorry, Hannah. False start. Please. please. Yeah, apologies. Please, yeah. Uh, go ahead. So, choosing beggars. Um, the interesting <laughs> thing that I was finding out today, you know... I thought, oh, you know, yeah, that always happens all the time. Okay, didn't realise there was an actual name for it. <laughs> and then I was just having a look, and there's actually a, um, a meaning in the dictionary about choosing <laughs> beggars. I literally looked it up. I know it's not the best dictionary, but urban dictionary. Um, okay, so tell us, what is a choosy beggar? So, a choosy beggar is a person who um, expects something, um, something for, for very little. Or um, nothing in or return. Or nothing <laughs> in return. And, but it's not only that, that then they are very picky on it. So, um, for example, say somebody's got, uh, somebody gave them your Netflix login and then they go and complain to their friends where they're not paying any money. They go and complain to your friends. Oh, so why aren't you paying for the premium version though? <laughs> um, it's also situations like, um, they will look on you know trade me and ebay and places like that and find things and 
certain things would be for free and then they'll say oh well you'll deliver to my house won't you yep. and you have to do that oh okay so four hundred dollars um Arvel in the chat thinks we're British <laughs> he, uh, he obviously hasn't heard uh, Australian accent before New Zealand jeez I mean New Zealand yes Jeez, definitely not Australian. <laughs> I was trying to throw him off, actually. Hannah, go with me on this one. <laughs> so, um... So we saw this one, just to explain a bit more about Choosy Beggars, like, this is a particularly extreme example, but there was this one guy, he was on his fifth house. He was about to close his deal on his fifth house. And his brother had, like, four kids... And he actually saved up enough money to buy, like, a four-bedroom home, like, outright without even a deposit. This was, yeah, you know, this was the person in question. But he could not understand why his brother that had five houses would not just give him one. And this is the whole thing. I, I don't know if I'm dancing on real thin ice here, but... I've definitely experienced situations where people very close to me, family members even, like just have really intense expectations. I'm hopeful you haven't experienced this, Simon, but uh, we identified that Hannah and I definitely have. And there's one other example that... Um you know, I haven't the... bought anybody a house yet. I will, <laughs> I will say that just to, just to clarify that I've not bought anybody a house. That they gave online, they said. <laughs> um, a person who is a choosing beggar, the choosing side of them will probably meet the hottest girl in the world, but will never be able to make a relationship out of it because there's constantly something wrong and there's so constantly something picky about it wow. at so there's like all these different examples um, you know somebody saying oh you know a three thousand dollar macbook online another thing that a choosing beggar will often do will often refer and say um, lines like oh well my husband just committed suicide oh my dad just died I deserve it for free. Oh, my kids will be heartbroken. Tell them yourself that you can't give me it for their Christmas present. Um, really intense. And, you know, the experience that we've had, um, that I've experienced is, you know, oh, you know, you can buy me, buy me this since you're going to hang out with me. But it's like they were the ones who asked to hang out with me in the first place. And then I've also had it the opposite way of the threatening way, like, I do for you, I do for you, I do for you. Okay, nah, see you later, I'm done with you, don't want anything to do with you. And then I say, okay, that's fine, see you later. And then, and then they come back around and they said, I never said that. No. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know, Choosy Beggars, have you ever heard of that, Simon? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I've seen, um, 
you know, a few websites d dedicated to exposing examples of that. <laughs> they're pretty funny. Uh, and and work, a very recent example is someone. <laughs> Here we go. Who's like uh, demanded some uh, additional support uh, to 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 like. Uh, to use our systems and we're like yeah no that's sweet of course you know we can we can make an exception we'll get someone uh to help you um and then they go and demand that it happens like instantly regard not you know not regarding the fact that everybody else you know everybody um, at work has a job is employed to do work f you know for 40 hours a week and and you're adding to that work um you know meetings and other fixed timed uh, work you know just doesn't allow us to be able to respond to your every whim at, at a time that suits you i mean that mm. that's probably like the most recent example that came straight to my head mm. very minor in the in the terms of like how it affected me but you know because it wasn't to do with my personal life but i know examples are um flooding forward in, in a personal life Oh no, that's good. Well, well you've been mm. able, you've been able to avoid the minefield of people's unrealistic expectations of your time and money. The biggest. I think, I, I think if if some if I if somebody asked me to do something for them or I offer to do something nice for me and then they try and change the terms, if they're in my personal life, I can tell them to get fucked. Like, I <laughs> I don't I don't offer my support to people i don't think i have the right to nice to hold that space you know what i mean like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't um go out of my way to to somebody who's then gonna like hold over me like oh well you need to do this for me blah blah blah, blah, blah. i mean if i if i say yeah i can help you out and then you and then became become a chooser and, and a demanding things well it's it happens how we agreed on it or it doesn't happen yeah yeah, and I suppose the wild thing for me around Choosy Vegas is like, when it's occurred for me, it happens so wild and like, like it can just be an out of the blue request. Like, I think, I think the other day I was asked if I had a spare Apple laptop. And I, and I'm like, no, all, all of my laptops like kind of use. So it's just little things like that, like wild. Like I'm not even in conversation about it. Like, do you have a spare Apple laptop you wouldn't mind giving? No. Like, yeah, maybe I just don't give off those sort of vibes, James. <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta stop acting like you made a money. Mate. Oh, mate, tell me about it. I go around, I go around flashing my stuff all around town. Jeez, mm. I don't know what it is, but Hannah, thank you for that. Uh, one other thing I was just, just going to say, um, with your example, Simon, it really triggered one thing that, um, <laughs> an example that I, that I heard online, which I thought was so amazing. So <clears throat> a lady at, um, was at a shop and the, um, she'd purchased something and the, she'd been charged 10 cents too, too much. And then she started demanding for it to be automatically um, refunded onto her card and then 
you know, it she got was a bit o- heated. She was overturned by 10 cents. And, you know, the store manager <coughs> said, I'm really sorry, it's going to take, you know, a day to process, but it will be in your account tomorrow. And he literally went into the cash register and also then got 10 cents out. So it's 20 cents. Well, she got so irate and angry, she then knocked over this the stand and um, created you know, $10,000 worth of damage. So. And she was dragged away and she was sued for $10,000. Over 10 cents, so. Just because she wanted her 10 cents immediately transferred into her account. And I don't know what it's like in other countries, but definitely in New Zealand, it doesn't work like that. If if you're going to get a bank transfer, it's at least... The next day, depending on what time, but sometimes longer. Yeah, I just thought, wow. <coughs> so, what an amazing point to end that on, mm. Hannah. And speaking of choosy biggest, I'd like <laughs> I'd like to move now to a topic that may not be front of mind for everybody, but certainly was for myself. Uh, the royal family. Now this comes off the back of the new Netflix series now in its fourth season, Royals, now available on Netflix. The Crown. Uh the no nah, is it is it the Crown? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm even calling it the wrong thing. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> that, that that's why we're a team. Yeah. Yeah. So the Crown now in its fourth season on Netflix, pretty much everywhere, I believe it's a Netflix syndicated series. It got me thinking about the royal family, and and I I want this at least to be a discussion for me and more of a round circle conversation. I just want to do a bit of a whip around. We'll start with Simon. Simon, do you give two fucks who the royal family are? Uh, potentially like 0.5 of a fuck, maybe. <laughs> like, we're in the Commonwealth, they could potentially come in. I don't own any land, so I guess I don't care that much. But, you know, they could potentially just pop up in our country and just yeah. make wholesale changes and cause, you know, some sort of war to break out based on it. Um, like, yeah, like, there's a little bit in my brain that cares about the royal family just because of the influence and the money they're sitting on and how bizarre it is that they all just interbreed and keep their bloodline as pure as possible. It's kind of weird, pure, but... pure or not, may I say. Mm. Uh, does it worry you that some old lady in England um, owns everything in this country, including the land which people think they own? Like, mm-hmm. we have a thing in New Zealand called title to land. Well, we, we, don't actually, we don't actually own it. We've just purchased the privilege of being able to stay there and build something. You do realise that, don't you? I mean, I, I understood the fact that royal family could, have, could, um, could decide to take your land, but I didn't understand the legal mechanism as you just described it. Yeah, so the only the only two entities in this country that can own anything are Māori and and the Royals. 
So, so as subjects of the royal family, we can have title to land, where we can engage in commerce and agriculture on land, and, and we can purchase that privilege to do that. But but at any point in time, uh, your house, my house, everybody's house can be taken unless it's under the guardianship of an iwi. Mm. Interesting fact that the British monarchy uh, dates back to the 10th century. So they've been around for a thousand years. Imagine being able to accumulate wealth for your family over a thousand <laughs> years. You'd have to have some really clued up people working on it. Because you'd have, like in terms of project management, Simon, I've not known too many thousand year projects. But I wouldn't put it past the fact that the the first king, whatever his name was at the time, may have actually decided, all right, we're going to take this planet and we're going to do it like this. I, and he probably said to himself, I'm not going to be here to take it all, but let, let's put a plan in motion and let's take the whole thing. I mean, because yeah. the royal family even presided over African nations. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, colonization spread <laughs> the British Empire far and wide. So, Hannah, going back to my original question, do you give two fucks who the royal family are? No, I and I go back a few years, and <laughs> um, when you know um, William was married. And I just remember um, that night, I had I was I was at home, but um, my flatmates at the time, they were like fascinated. You know, they might have been mocking it, but they were just fascinated with the royal wedding. Also, and I'm just like, what the? They're just two random people. I, you mean William's wedding? Yeah. Yeah. I really don't care, you know. Unless it is personally affecting me. Um, no. And it, I definitely do not fully understand how, you know, New Zealand sits in the Commonwealth. And also what the Queen actually does for our country interestingly i i do own land and hannah you you you've come to know this but not in this country yeah <laughs> in, in rarotonga um my my parents own land and by virtue i i will inherit it simon would you be fascinated to know that my family owned the land that airports on in rarotonga Wow. <laughs> like, like, I can assure you, I can assure you my grandmother is managing all that and I don't have any overflow benefits of that yet. So, yeah. You're not receiving any dividends from the uh, Rarotongan airport? I can honestly say whatever money is in trust or whatever money is being exchanged, my grandmother's keeping that real tight. Yeah, um, chest. Yeah, I'm. I have not received any benefits of that at all. Uh, 
And I think, um, I think we own a couple of pearl farms, black pearl farms, on one of the smaller islands. Why, why I raise this is, um, the royal, the royal family also have an impact on Rarotonga. But, um, the, the truce was much clearer, where, whereas Rarotongan people could retain ownership of their land, which is really nice. And I suppose key strategic, um, I don't even know what you call them, key strategic resource areas of the island have the, the British government have like some role in that. Like they, they have a role in the airport, they have a role in fisheries and stuff like that. I, I don't know it all, but I just know that the royal family has an influence there, but but no one seems to feel like hard done by by the arrangement. I, I think mm. that I think they like the fact that New Zealand has an obligation to Rarotonga. So we have an open visa relationship with Rarotonga. You can go back and forth for as long as you like with no threat of overstaying. Uh, that goes for Rarotongans coming here or New Zealanders going there. You can, you, you can stay there for two years if you can, if you can afford it. And, mm, and, hashtag uh, Pacific travel bubble. Well, since we bring it up, you know, was that, was that sort of hinted at this afternoon? I saw some kind of article in, in the news. I've, I've heard it come <laughs> around a bunch of times and aren't, aren't they currently COVID free? Mm, yes, yes. So, Rarotonga is keen to get uh, New Zealanders back because tourism is a massive economic driver for them. Didn't I say like ninety percent of their income comes from tourism? Something like that. A, a strange amount of their economic uh, viability comes from tourism. They should legalize weed like we couldn't, and then have Rarotonga as like this cool, chill island. Interesting fact. I know we're going off track because this wasn't a, Rarotonga. Definitely wasn't a topic for today. But did you know it's still illegal to be gay in Rarotonga? Oh wow! I knew there was a reason why I wasn't going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's still it's still illegal to be gay, and I, re I remember that uh, we were just sitting having dinner in our um, in our suite, and it just came up on the news that it was a backup for a relitigation. I just thought that was fascinating. It's got yeah. no no relevant no relevance to our conversation today, but it just goes to show maybe. We haven't progressed in every nation of the world in terms of stuff like that. No, not quite. I think it was last episode or maybe the dinner that obviously no one here was invited to where, where I just said, you know, I, I'm not really... I don't understand the politics behind the rainbow community. I, I think it is time to just let people be who they are, eh, Simon? Yeah, I mean, we had that conversation where I figured it out, where you're living in the future. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Up to it. yeah, that's right, I do remember. Um, 
I'm wondering, Jade, if you could take me off screen for a couple of minutes, and I'll be back in a second. Oh, no problem, mate. No problem. Thanks yes. for the heads up. No worries. So, so Hannah, I haven't even got part way yeah. uh, through what I, what I actually wanted to talk about, but I think we'll wait for something to come back. So can I just talk about um, the Crown Natural um, yep. series? So it was really interesting, actually. Um, we were in a business meeting the other day, and somebody said, oh, well, you're too young to know, but referring to the crown and and it was really funny we're like uh no we, we know the episode yep know exactly know what you're talking about she, and she went she was a bit a bit flushed on who was that um that was when we were down at the um i i do remember that conversation i'm just trying to remember who it was it was um i'm just that was when we were down at the shared office offices. Oh, I know who it was now. Yep, yeah. I just thought instead of saying her name, just say yeah. it like that. Yes. Um. So that was really nice, and then, you know, it was really fascinating watching, um, this this season of The Crown. Um, previous seasons, it's been great. We know it's not a a documentary, but we know it's, it's drama. It's fake. It's going off. You know, a lot of um news reports and a lot of interviews and things like that but i think this season was the most um season that you could actually say they would have had the most documentary footage from evidence um, of yeah evidence of you know um you know when da when um there was charles and diana traveled to australia you know there would have been evidence for the show to be able to pick up on so it's most kind of realistic that i felt and it was really interesting in certain parts as parts of the crown to actually understand um the journey and the development mm. of of this now i don't necessarily give two shits about it but it it was fascinating for actually the way that the royal family is portrayed to us as this happy family and everything's perfect. Well, that's not what we understood. So I thought that it would be really interesting, and this is not not a criticism by any means, but I, I thought it would be really interesting for us to get into the financials of the royal family and uh for for the sake of simplicity um what i actually have is the expenditure just for the queen just to keep it simple for today and if you want to wow. do and if you want to do some research for yourself uh later on I can put the link in chat. I'm just gonna uh, put the just while make... Jade, yep, um, getting the uh, things up. Have Have you watched past the bit? Does it cover where Diana um, gets in the car crash? Is that no? The season no. stops well before any of that. So, oh. so in regards to Diana, she's actually alive and well. Uh, but it does um, discuss how there's um, infertility, um, there's 
talk of her and Camilla. What was the whole deal? Her cheating, and then it's talked about from maybe day one from when Charles first met Diana. He was um, hanging around with Camilla, so and like even before he met Camilla, which was really fascinating. Even before he met Diana. Uh, Diana, sorry, yep. Yeah, he was hanging out with Camilla and she was married at the time and had kids, so that was not approved, so... <laughs> Ruthless cougar. So, um, yeah. Milf. Yeah. Have you seen the guy who they propose as Harry? Harry's dad. Uh... Is it Harry? Charles? No, no it so, was... No, no, no. There's like a security guard, yeah. I think, working for Diana at the time. And oh, yeah. Because Harry's, Harry's a gentleman, one, is it? Yeah. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, what he... I said, eh? Harry is so not Charles's. Yeah. No, nah, not at all. So, <laughs> yeah, they do actually mention that, that she was with... The security guard and her few football players and a horse riding um, coach. Now it was never able to be confirmed, but and you know how much of it is true and where's genetic testing? Did they did and we the, me and Jade had this debate had this thought. Did the royal family even go about and bother about? genetic testing because no. that would bring shame to shame to them so they would yeah they would know what the truth is whether it was or not and they would never risk confirming that with a dna specialist and having it be able to be leaked yeah like if that person did a dna test they would get taken out to prevent that from <laughs> coming out eventually and on the topic of being taken out to, before you get to your stuff, Jane. Sure. It, did Diana really die in a car crash? Oh, she definitely died in a car crash. <laughs> I was going to say. It an, was it an accident? Um, well, they do have security footage from, like, before she leaves this hotel and stuff. Like, I've seen all that. Mm, so it looks a, pretty sketched out, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I don't know, when you're a family of resources that dominate half the planet, you, you know, it's kind of like, can you get away with your life if you don't agree with how they roll? And, and sort of, as you say, before I get to the stuff, you look at Meghan Markle being an American, she's got no time for this shit. She no. took Harry and gapped it. <laughs> no wonder he he had to abdicate he had to say I'm no longer going to be royal I'm going to be a private citizen uh, comparatively to his brother he will receive a small remuneration I'm not sure that we could call his remuneration very small though <laughs> uh, a handful of million dollars versus um, whatever his brother has access to per year and, um, yeah, I don't know. He, he's needing to go to work and do speaking engagements uh, for money, which I, th which I think is really great. What I also like about Harry is that, like his brother, he served in the military. So, 
mad respect for that. I've got a lot of love for uh, for the military. My grandfather, my great grandfather, was in World War Two, so lot lot of respect for military forces. I believe also my great grandfather. Yes, mm. great grandfather Sonny Anderson. He um, had a scarf, like just a normal scarf, blessed by a local tohunga, or like the, I guess like a shaman mm -hmm. of the Maori variety, blessed the scarf and he had it wrapped around his head under his helmet. Wow. And he got, he got hit in the head by grenade shrapnel or something like that. And they reckon if it wasn't for this scarf, it would have killed him and then I wouldn't be here. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, interesting story. So, not to delay any further, but I'll just come to the financials of the royal family, Simon. Hopefully, you'll be interested in this. So, so the, so this cover. Well, they've given us two columns. They've accounted for the 2019 year, and they've also accounted for the 2020 year. Now, that, now this is a severe summary um i'll provide the link in in the chat so you can uh look this up for yourself later on if you wish to and i'll make sure it's in the description box uh, on the youtube clip but let's just start with the big number 2019 the queen and her family spent 67 million dollars on their household expenses million pounds million pounds my apologies 2020 they spent 69.4 million pounds wow uh, just to break some of those down in the high level columns their payroll costs for all their staff maids ladies in waiting security and things like that 2019 23.2 million pounds Wow. 2020, 24.4 million pounds. Other staff costs not disclosed. There, there might be um, close protection officers contained within this. Uh, 4.5 million pounds in 2020. 3.5 million pounds um, in 2019. So that's a million dollar increase. Uh, maintenance of their property. This is ho hopefully interesting. This is what I was quite interested. So people, so maintenance of the property in 2019, 37.8 million pounds. Far out, no. Uh, and in 2020, 38.3 million pounds. Uh, uh, Travel expenses for Her Royal Highness and her husband, Prince Philip, uh, just for that year, and I think this only accounts for within Britain, actually. Uh, 2019, $4.6 million. Uh, 2020, $5.3 million. <sighs> The utility expenses for the family, um, power, water, telephone, and broadband, I'm assuming, 
$2.9 million in 2019 and $3.1 million in 2020. I, I can't reconcile that number myself, but their house is pretty big. <laughs> so I don't know how many active phone lines they have. And the, and the last one I'll pull out, oh, I'll, I'll pull out the last two as well. So, housekeeping and hospitality, $2.6 million in 2020, $2.3 million in 2019. So, so that's how much they pay for scones and dinner. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, so that's what I was just going to say. Housekeeping and hospitality, um, yeah, okay, yeah. And then the the last one I really want to call out is uh, the royal family's use of information technology. Expenses in 2020, 4.2 million pounds. Um, expenses in 2019, 3.8 million pounds. How do you justify that massive other category at the bottom though? It's bigger than most people. <laughs> <laughs> other uh, expenses, 7.2 million and 2020 well well i think that's the the royal highness's petty cash actually <laughs> that's the that's the price they paid to take out all the dissenters that's their security and hitman squad yeah i think that's her dairy money that one <laughs> that's what she gets for doing her chores yeah so there, there's a bit of explanation here and i've only downloaded the summary um but if you if you, i don't know if you can see that if you if you look at the royal.uk website um there's actually full disclosure um and i didn't want to like go through it because we'd be here all day and this is not a financial podcast but but I just just thought by raising it would be somewhat interesting um, to the viewers at home. So Simon, what do you what do you make of those kind of figures? Um, it's mind-boggling. I mean, actually, I probably was expecting higher. I mean, because you told me what you were bringing to the table, and I was preparing myself for just exorbitant figures. <laughs> Um, so you don't yeah, find those exorbitant at all? I'm, the royal family <laughs> of uh, massive European superpower, uh, I guess there's like um, hundreds, or there'll be thousands of, of um, royal properties, and lots of them will be hundreds of years old, and hundreds of acres. So I feel like there is a lot of money to be spent like you know when you're in the rich sphere money just burns really easily you know what i mean like just the cost for anything go up because you're just rich you just pay for everything mm, and so I, I feel like it's quite easy for, for them to just spend money on shit and like you know doorman and like the the queen doesn't open her own doors like that like this is like entrenched in war kind of thing in england like she doesn't open her own doors um 
everybody that comes into a room that she's in legally has to be announced. Can you imagine that? Like, you got to pay somebody to announce someone coming into a room. It's pretty amazing. You <laughs> should have more paid staff around the palace than actual royals. And the, the thing that really blows my mind, and I completely disagree with, is, um, you know, I've been trying to figure out from you, Jade, is this just for the one property, or is this for hundreds of properties? Oh, man, I didn't research too deep, but what I could gather is that it was just for the palace. So just for Windsor Castle? Uh, just for Windsor Castle, yeah. So just for the one property? And they've got a few. They've got Cornwall... What are some of the other ones they've got? Like, uh, like the prince's expenses are mentioned in there, but they're ring fenced just for him. Yeah. So he's got a whole nother set of expenses. Oh, really? <laughs> the, yeah, Prince Charles. Uh-huh. He's got a whole nother, like, wing of staff and situations around him. Oh, yeah, because he, he lives Prince in... Prince Andrew one... and his pedophile budget. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I wonder if you can find that in the accounts. I wasn't looking for pedophilia, but maybe. I just can't I mean, wrap my head around the thirty-seven million on maintenance. Um, maintenance, you know, and then there's a separate <laughs> line for you know taking into account you know the phone power and um all those things like that. But thirty-seven million dollars. Over 30, so that's $72 million um, over two pounds. years. We over, keep saying dollars. Sorry, Simon. $7 million pounds <laughs> yeah. over two years. Um, it is like... Unbelievable. $74 million pounds over two years. It's like, well, it's a big property. Well, how... Much of that is actual actual maintenance, or how much of it is it's deciding salaries. to just oh remodeling, no, yeah. oh just remodel, oh just remodel, not actually looking yeah. after properties. There's probably a lot of people like filling their pockets off of the royal family, like you know submitting fake invoices from imaginary contractors and all sorts like i wonder how badly it's inflated by fraud nah, but, I do. I, you know like with the property and stuff i just had the thought it's not like you can pop down to the local bunnings and just replace that fitting like, everything <laughs> in that, yeah everything custom. everything in that property is bespoke customer it's like oh no the hand railing's broke can you get a new twisted metal wrapped gold you know diamond encrusted handrail made Nah, Simon has a good point. And could you imagine the sign-off process? Yeah. Like, oh, I wanna, I wanna change this bit of carpet. Like, you can't just do that, bro. <laughs> you have to. There'd probably be fifteen sign-offs before you're allowed to make a move. Yeah, but, and everything is a security risk. Like, any time any change needs to be made to any part of the royal family's operating procedure. It's a massive security <laughs> risk and has its own security evaluation. You know, like you've got to do background checks on the dude who's coming to, to replace that wall fitting because that could be a spy. And there's just oh my god. 
everything what? is just lengthened and um, it's made costly more. Would it interest you that to know that there are some laws that do not apply to the Queen? Hmm. Uh, most of them are in her name, so she can't be subject to the law. Most of them. What does that mean, in her name, so she can't be subject to so, so, the Queen says, I'm making these things exist. And because she makes these things exist, they can't apply to her. She, she can't reign over herself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, for example, the, the Queen is actually the only person on the planet who was not required to have a passport or a driver's license. Because <laughs> they're issued by her and she can't issue documents to herself. So she just doesn't require them? No. So, so what happens when she travels, because she obviously does, is um, her officials uh, work to supply the required information to the other country because they come in good faith so they they supply the information but they cannot produce a passport because you cannot have one the way passport law is designed and, and that's by mutual agreement by many countries because of the way it's been designed she literally can't have one that's interesting uh, well next time I turn up to the airport I just book under the queen <laughs> but it is a, it is a thing, and these other these other strange laws uh, that I've completely forgotten about, and feel think about that the um, uh, British family can't be subject to. But what about murder? Like, can she kill someone? Because that would be an interesting loophole. Imagine the Queen's just like this massive, ferocious hit lady that's just the queen because she doesn't mind taking people out I think the uncomfortable truth is that if she was ever found to be responsible for such a thing I'm not sure that she could be accountable for it is what is what I've been told in the past I, what sort of court does that go through <laughs> exactly especially when they're in her name like, if you look at the laws of New Zealand, and if you look at who the ministers of government actually serve, um, I actually... I, I've read lots of documents, and I'm just going to blow it out of the water right now. You, you know, they, they serve at the pleasure of Her Majesty the Queen. And I was mm. going to say, I, I heard over the radio today that, um, you know, a few of the ministers were swearing in today, and... Um, accepting their positions a few of them were, were trying to be a bit cheeky and leave out um that they serve it as the area of majesty yeah. majesty so and, and that's like doesn't that blow your mind though because imagine Imagine realising that government ministers don't serve you, they serve Her Majesty the Queen. Like, isn't that, isn't that something to think about? It is. I mean, most people, I guess, 
qualify that by saying it's largely a formality and that they are you know for the most part independent and operate for the best interests of new zealand citizens and that the influence of the monarchy is dwindling in this country that's probably what i mean i would probably be comfortable saying that but it's still an issue that that's as logical as saying i kissed my ex uh the night before my wedding is a formality that that makes (laughs) it that makes no sense at all (laughs) yeah well i mean for us we never see the influence from the uk or from the royal family like you don't see it publicly that they uh don't you know sign off on any of our laws i've never seen a law a bill go through all the way through parliament and then get you know like sniped by the royal family and taken out like is, is, from your um lifetime pause you pause yes i do cool the the um end of life choice bill had royal ascension to get it to where it is the governor general who is a representative locally in this country on behalf of her majesty signed an order to ensure well not to ensure but to to give to give the end of life choice bill a better chance of passing called the royal ascension i thought everything gets royal ascent no man no it's the it's it's the it's the first time in many years that anything has had royal ascent many years why wasn't that talked about um if you remember it was our good friend who hana hickey that dropped that on me ah she dropped that on me she dropped that on you she lost on me (laughs) yeah no the governor general signing special orders to to give bills a better chance of passing is not sane that ensures that it largely passes committee process and in that case from my understanding and my knowledge too um those people who were on the working group to actually um discuss the the bill disagreed with the bill and there was not enough safeguards in place so it was obviously push through the governor general getting involved in law is ill advisable actually but because it's seen as undue influence from her royal highness Mm. but in this case it seemed to be like okay and as i say if there are any fact checkers scholars anybody that studies this thing as a thing i know i've broadly got my facts right but if you want to come in in the comments and just pat it out for us i'd welcome that so i think that's a really good place to leave it as far as i'm concerned should we do a whip around on final thoughts simon it's been a great evening mate what are your final thoughts for the evening um i think we've had some pretty good discussion well well done for everybody's contribution to <laughs> yeah. the stream. i had a lot of fun um 90 minute, 90 meal, it's a pure bantery. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, it all kind of flowed naturally as well. The segues weren't forced at all. Great, great uh, question of the week as always. <laughs> I got really selfish and, and used you as a way to improve my life and tried to remove external validation. So that mm. was good. <laughs> um, you know, we... That's called focus testing. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I've realized I was quite thankful that I haven't been exposed to some serious choosing beggars <laughs> um, in my life yet, touching some wood, and, um, you know, talked a little bit about the biggest uh, gang in the, in, or the most, one of the most powerful gangs in the world, the, the royal family. Notorious crime family. <laughs> yes. Uh, great, Hannah. great quotes from you tonight, Simon. Oh my God, man! You've got to text me those. I, I need, <laughs> I need to be using them in my daily life. Yeah, great quotes. Always great having good conversations with you. So thank you for tonight, gentlemen. You lasted a whole stream for the first time in a while, Hannah. <laughs> Was this last time? Yeah. Awesome. So for me, you know, I'm really stoked. Simon, thank you for sharing, like, your personal development stuff. Um, I hope I open some people's lives in terms of, eyes in terms of, like, the royal family and where they sit. And I like talking about the, like, the land conversation. And I, and I hope it, like, even though we didn't come with, like, super, like, hard facts on everything and we don't have references to every sentence we said, I hope it inspires you to go out and research and have a look 